0: Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trig Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders.
1: The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique.
2: and racker or you know the inclusive blue way uh, paddling trail approached us in 2014 2015 uh, to see if we wanted to take it over because they were gonna do away with it they've been you know this year will be the 20th uh year that it's been um that they've been doing it so they approached us to see if we wanted to take it over and um we said sure we'd love to do it maybe we can even raise some money for charity and um, pretty much since then, we've been working with a really nice organization. Um, it's a grassroots out of, um, you know, Fort Myers, the Candlelighters of Southwest Florida. And um, they, you know, they support families with um, kids with cancer and blood disorders. Uh, so.
3: And I've worked with quite a few families out here on Pine Island.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, we... Last year, unfortunately, we had to cancel it uh, due to Ian. Um, but you know, pretty much every year we've been growing it a little bit more. Like in 2021, we had almost eighty, eighty something anglers. Between eighty and ninety anglers. Yeah. yeah,
3: and when we started it, Ka-yuck you know, anglers. in 2014, 15, I think we maybe had 25. So that kind of gives you an idea of how this area is growing, and and that that sport in general is growing.
2: Yeah, and then we do raffles we do uh 50 50s um you know we do an, we've been doing an online raffle for the last two or three years through rally up um and a silent auction there as well so um all the proceeds go to uh, candle lighters of southwest florida
0: you were listening to brian and diana stockbridge of gulf coast Kayaks speaking about their upcoming event the calusa blue way kayak fishing tournament This event is now celebrating its 20th year where all of the proceeds are donated to charity. You will be amazed when you hear how this courageous couple followed their dreams and created a very successful award-winning business in Matt Lachey and how they are fearlessly beginning again after Ian. To tell their story, here are Diana and Brian. Well, welcome Brian and Diana Stockbridge. Thank you for coming here today. Thank you for taking a day off to work to meet with us and and do your podcast. I know it's your day off, but we appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you.
3: Thanks Happy to be much. here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We always start at the beginning, and it's it's um, where did you grow up? Um, what have you done in your past lives? Education. One of my favorites is how did you meet? That's always a good one. And then sure. how did you you know come to land here and whoever wants to start
3: okay so I'll, I'll get us started here so uh yeah I was born in New York um in uh Mount Kisco New York but moved to Northern Virginia when I was about seven years old so grew up in Northern Virginia uh went to you know high school there and uh great place to grow up loved it uh spent a lot of time outside hiking and camping and a bit of kayaking and uh, moved to Virginia. I'm sorry, moved to Southeast Florida um, right after high school for a bit of college and uh, enjoyed that experience as well. Um, worked in the restaurant industry for a while, ended up falling in love with cooking and uh, went to culinary school at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale and worked in kitchens for about eight or nine years. Um, that's actually how me and Diana met. Um, when we were both 19 years old. We uh, were working at the same restaurant in front of the house. I was a server. She was a hostess, I believe. And uh, so that's how we met. And uh, yeah, we've been been together, gosh, um, been married 21, 22 years. And uh, so we've been together for a long time. And uh, we have a, a great son named Sebastian, who uh, just graduated from the University of Florida. Wow, and uh, with a computer science degree, and then moved out to Seattle, Washington, um, to work with Microsoft as a software engineer. So, we're missing him, but uh, he's he's left the nest uh, with in good hands, I'd say.
0: Yeah. And how about you?
2: Um, yeah, I, I grew up in Southeast Florida. Um, my family is originally from Columbia. Uh, that's where I was born. Um, And, uh, when we met Brian and had Sebastian, we, we did move back up to Northern Virginia for a few years. And, um, again, there's so many things to do outdoors there. So we really loved, uh, you know, doing hiking and, um, I did a bit of rock climbing while I was up there. Um, you know, we did some rafting, tubing, kayaking, so, um, It was just, I've always loved the outdoors. When I was in, you know, Southeast Florida, I would, I went to um, college there, um, Florida Atlantic University, but I I was at the beach a lot. (laughs) Yes, I lived, I lived at the beach. Um, So I think that when Brian found the business for sale, when we were thinking of moving back to um, Florida in 2012, um, it's just seemed kind of like a natural progression. Um, to do something outside. Um, granted, he came here first to look at the business and look at the area, and he fell in love with it when when I first moved down. It was a, sh- a little bit of a shock to me. It was yeah. different, different than Southeast Florida.
3: We, different. Weren't in, a tad. Right. we weren't in Boca Raton anymore.
2: Right. <laughs> well, different than Northern Virginia as well. Um, so it was a little quieter and slower paced. Um, but, you know, little by little, I, uh, I started to appreciate and understand why he really liked being here, the nature, the quiet, um, you know, how beautiful it was on the water, uh, when we, uh, would go out and explore the trails just to get, you know, to learn about the area. You know, we both made it a point to not only, you know, get out on the water and learn, but also, you know, take courses to learn about, you know, the ecosystem. Um, So uh, we hooked up with, uh, it's a University of Florida um, IFAS uh, extension program where they offer uh, Florida Master Naturalist courses. So we both uh, took, you know, several courses. And that's kind of how we also um, learned about like the Randall Research Center. Mm -hmm. So it's one of our favorite places um, around here. Um, but yeah, just uh, getting to know and appreciating the area just made me fall in love with it um, more and more
0: uh, throughout the years. Sure. It's a hidden surprise. Isn't it? Yeah.
3: It's a hidden gem. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So you fell in love enough with cooking to actually get professionally trained. Correct. And <laughs> I only asked because then it would seem like people would get experience at different levels of, of cooking within kitchens and then. Many, of course, have that dream of um, having their own place or their own restaurant. So a little bit of the cooking experience and then was it the draw of the outdoors or, or how did I mean, I've changed careers, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but interesting that you made that tremendous commitment because that, that can't be easy from what I understand a cooking school and then to move on to something else.
3: Yeah. So, um, yeah, working in a kitchen, working in a restaurant is not easy. Um I played sports growing up, played soccer my entire life. So when I started working in a kitchen, I really kind of felt that camaraderie, that team, you know, team atmosphere. Um and and really just fell in love and and jumped in with two feet, but um cooking was my first profession. I've I've done I think I get like an eight-year itch with my professions. Okay. <laughs> so I've done quite a bit. So um when we Um, moved back to Northern Virginia, I was more in the marketing world. So I was working from home, um, doing marketing for small businesses, small mom and pop businesses, um, and got a lot of experience in, in how to market a business, how to advertise a business and, um, you know, working from home has its benefits, but also, you know, um, if you're not getting out and interacting with other people, it can be kind of a lonely world. So, um, I think I, that, that kind of ran its course with me. And at the same time in Northern Virginia, Diana was, um, she was a social worker working with, um, families that, that needed some help. And, uh, you know, in Northern Virginia, there's the traffic is unbearable. So, you know, she was sitting in traffic for, you know, five hours a day. And so I think we, both those careers kind of ran its course. And so we started talking about moving back down to Florida and uh, looking and we started looking for a business to purchase. Um, and I had a, a, a good feeling that I could get that business off the ground in the sense of marketing, just because I had been doing that for a few years. And uh, so that's so we saw Gulf Coast kayak for sale on a business website, business for sale website. And flew down and uh, met with the previous owner, Mel, the guide, who was quite a character, um, great guy and very helpful. He stayed on with us for a few months afterwards and and kind of taught me the ropes as to how to guide in this area. Um, so it's it's been quite a journey. And we've uh, we've, you know, anytime you start a new business, there's there's you know, it does take probably longer than you first expect to get it off the ground. And we had quite a few challenges early on. Um, you know, we really had to persevere. And, um, you know, slowly but surely, the business grew and grew. And, uh, you know, we were able to hire people and have a staff and provide employment for uh, for locals. So we we're pretty happy about all that.
1: So with being in Boca Raton, obviously you were familiar with Florida, mm-hmm. although the more populated portion of yes. Florida. <laughs> had you ever heard of Pine Island before, before you saw the business for sale? Or was this like, we're driving somewhere and we don't know, or flying somewhere, we don't, like, I don't even know where we're going, per se, but you wanted to find out about the business, so you went, but was it an area that you knew at all, or was this kind of an exploratory about that part of Florida in addition to the business itself?
3: Yeah, so when we were living over on the east coast of Florida, we did take a drive. Now, to answer your question, Pine Island and Lachey were not necessarily on our map. Okay. We, We, I could, honestly say I don't think we heard about Matlacher or Pine Island living on the east coast of Florida at the time. We had heard about, of course, Naples, and we had heard about this area called Cape Coral that was growing really fast mm-hmm. and expanding. So I do recall we, we spent a weekend or two over here in the Cape Coral area um, and just kind of explored Cape Coral and, and seriously considered relocating to the west coast of Florida in the Cape Coral area. Um, so when we discovered Matt and and Pine Island, um, and really became to understand the, how beautiful it was—not just the surrounding areas and the natural, you know, wildlife and the beauty, but the people and how unique the people are out here—we um, really kind of fell in love with the area. And um, yeah, I, 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 I can never see myself living in a in a in a Boca Raton type city in Florida ever again.
1: Yeah, part of the reason I ask is she had applied for a job years ago, and we were sitting one evening saying, well, if we get it, I wonder what it's like to live in Leesburg, Virginia. Well, it was Leesburg, Florida, which shows our geographic knowledge. (laughs) So we actually kind of tripped into Florida quite by accident, too, because we actually thought we'd be in southern Virginia if the job came through, and it was nowhere near. Yeah, I think
2: Leesburg, Florida, we've driven— close by it, um, when we've been up to, like, Ocala and Gainesville. Mm-hmm. It seems
0: very rural. It, it, yeah, it's it, I loved it. Yeah, I have been there for years. Um, I found a job I loved there, and oh. it was um, Leesburg, um, Tavares, Mount Dora, and Eustace. All four of them were together. Okay. And it was a heavily retired area. Oh. And it was just before the villages okay. opened mm-hmm. up north of there. And um it was lovely. I mean, I you know, I'm I felt so silly. Oh, this isn't Leesburg Virgin. I never <laughs> heard of Leesburg. But we always wanted to move to Florida. Yeah. So it was perfect. And uh, and he was able to work from home. And we came here to Florida and enjoyed every minute of it. Very nice. Yeah. So lucky. Ahead,
1: so there. the business is on the island. Do you reside on the island or just in the area?
3: So, yeah, the business um, for the last 11 years has been in Matlaché. We live um, technically in Cape Coral, about four miles from Matlaché. Okay, so very so, close, though. Very convenient, yes. Good, yes.
1: good. That's compute.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. One stoplight and a few stop signs. That's about it.
2: Yep. Yeah. Very. we've been very fortunate throughout the years. Um, you know, not only living and uh, working close, um, but, you know, having a really beautiful location on the water, um, being able to, you know, introduce a lot of people that um, had never really heard about this area. Even people that live in Cape Coral, you know, in the in the first couple of years, it was pretty, you know, it was quiet. Um, and then we realized quickly, you know, how more and more uh, folks started finding out about us, whether it was... Um, you know, word of mouth or seeing our reviews or, you know, Brian's marketing, uh, you know, that definitely helped um, to, you know, put us on the map and get people out to our location. And um, yeah, so we were really lucky to to be able to introduce people. You know, a lot of uh, folks that never been kayaking or stand-up paddle boarding um, and, you know, uh, little by little we built a things we added things onto the business like um summer camp that was something that i remember when we first moved here in 2012 and our son was um like 11 years old i felt like there weren't that many options um in the summer for kids uh, as much as i had found up in northern virginia um and i was like oh that would be great to be able to do a kayak camp <laughs> so um the next, yeah, 2013, we started our first kayak camp, and um, I think we did a, a week or two, and then eventually it grew to like eight weeks in the summer. And we were fortunate because our son was able to participate. You know, he went through the camp like other like the other campers, and then he um, aged out, and then became a, a assistant camp counselor. <laughs> I was going to say, you probably made
0: him a counselor right away.
2: <laughs> By the time he was 14, he was an assistant camp counselor. So he was able to do like, you know, two or three years of camp. And then, um, and then he, you know, started working for us once he was about 15. So it, we did, we were also very lucky with staff because a lot of the kids that came out of our camp kind of always wanted to come back. And he came back as assistant camp counselors, and then they wanted a job, and they came for work. Um, and you already knew them. So yeah. Skip the whole background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was we, a
3: great feeder program. Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. And
2: we knew them. They knew us. They knew how, you know, I think one of the things that for us has always been very important is, you know, customer service and safety. It's like they go hand in hand, um, you know, teaching the kids how important it is to wear their life vests, to prepare for any trips, prepare for anything that could go wrong. And so they already knew by the time they were assistant camp counselors how um, we were very, um, you know, cautious about, you know, the weather, especially in the summer and how unpredictable it could be. Reading, um, you know, tide charts and looking at Dopplers and, you know, if it's just not safe to be out there, we, we got to head back in. And, and once they're working for us, they know that's, you know, not to put customers on the water when it's unsafe or um, when there's inclement weather. So um, and then the customer service part, you know, making sure that um, our customers are happy and um, we assist them at every moment. You know, from how to get in and out of their kayak safely to getting off the water, um, you know, offering them, you know, anything in the shop or even giving them like, you know, referrals to where to go to eat or what other things can they do to, you know, to explore Pine Island, you know. So we were always happy to be able to um, give them, you know, our favorite spots uh, out on the island
3: as well nice yeah once we got them, once we got the 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 guests to matt lachey (laughs) we just kept pushing them west you know we didn't want them to (laughs) to go back to cape coral where you know um there was a lot more people so we would you know stay in matt lachey have lunch here or go out to pine island and have lunch here or go to the randall research center do a nice hike or come down to st james city and try some of the preserves there um there's just so many great things to do out here on pine island that uh and, and people appreciate that. I think when they come here on vacation, yeah, maybe they haven't heard of Malachae or Pine Island. But once they get out here and experience it and, and meet some of the people, um, I think there's a good chance they they definitely will come back. Yes. You know?
0: yeah. yeah, I think that happens.
1: Yeah, for sure. What's the customer mix in terms of new versus returning, et cetera?
3: So we have been very fortunate. And I think it does come come back to um providing good customer service mm-hmm. and 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 guests feeling safe when they're with us. Um but I we have, I don't know the percentages off the top of my head, but we do have quite a bit of repeat repeat Excellent. business. Um and it's yeah, it's, you know, and, and this being, you know, somewhat a seasonal area. Mm-hmm. Um it's secular in some ways. Um, yeah. So here in another month or two, we're gonna start seeing the same faces that we saw that we've I mean, some customers, gosh, they've been probably coming with us for ten years, you know. Wow, cool. And and then they 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 introduce their friends to us. And mm-hmm. it's it's certainly a great way um to uh, to build our business, to get
1: exposure to our business. Just can't beat that word of mouth, can you? Word of mouth is the best. Well, best you know method. how much
0: they enjoyed it. Yeah. If they keep coming, it's like their family tradition. And they tell yep. all their
3: friends about it it's
0: fabulous
3: yes exactly exactly
0: and you must get all those all those trip advisor reward you know awards that you've gotten mm-hmm. and the thousands of comments and it's amazing and on yelp and
3: yeah the traveler's choice award that we received a few years the last few years is um when they first sent it to us I, we weren't really familiar with that terminology and we did a little bit of research and uh yeah, it's the top 10% of attractions worldwide uh, receive that award. So yeah, that's something we're very proud of. Um, You know, in in this day and age, um, you know, reviews can make or break a business. And uh, so we've been very fortunate to to have received, we've got a few bad reviews out there, of course, but uh, (laughs) if you read them, they're quite we could go down that rabbit hole and tell mistake. you some funny stories, but um, <laughs> no, we
0: have five circles showing. But for the most no. part, our
3: reviews have been very good, and and uh, yes, nowadays I know if I travel somewhere, I'm looking at reviews as to where where do
1: I want to go and what do I want to do. And we don't want to dwell on it too much, mm-hmm. but um, were you able to recover pretty quickly after Ian in terms of um, taking the break, and you know the equipment was still there, and you could get back. If for those people that wanted to go out or or was it a longer recovery for you? uh
3: we're still in recovery okay. i would I would say so um yeah we um for the first we we did not do an, a, a lick of business for probably about two and a half months after after Ian um, we had kayaks all over Matlaché pass um, that we had to recover um once we did recover them, they were i mean. It took us months to clean and to fix kayaks and to locate the kayaks, um, and then unfortunately, the location in Mount where we've conducted business for the last eleven years, um, took took a big hit, and um, uh, the owners of that property uh, that we've been leasing from for the last eleven years, um, they they weren't quite sure which direction they were going to go. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, um, they they decided to lease out that property to construction companies that were here in the area, mostly rebuilding Pine Island Road through Matt Lachey. So, yeah, eleven months later, we're we're still displaced from our place in Matt Lachey. We've been working mobile uh, off of a trailer, and um, it it's kind of the way we started uh, a business, our business eleven years ago. so it's, it's kind of taken us back quite a bit, but um, yeah, so it's, it's taken a lot of perseverance and, and strength to uh, just to kind of keep, keep it going. Sure. Um, so yes, we are, um, uh, we have potentially secured a location in Cape Coral to where we can continue to do our, our kayak rentals and stand up paddleboard rentals and tours. However, you know, Matt Lachey and Pine Island is really, it's, it's where we need to be, you know, it's, it's really where the roots are. I mean, Gulf coast kayak was started in 1992 in Matt Lachey, you know, so it's really important, <clears throat> excuse me, for us to continue to operate in Matt Lachey or Pine Island. And so, um, yeah, we're still in search of a, you know, waterfront location where we can do that. But as we know, um, even 11 months later, a lot of the waterfront locations are still right. trying to rebound. So, um, you know, Time will tell and, and we're just going to keep pushing forward and, you know, with with faith and 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 we know good things will happen. Good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, we were really lucky. Like <laughs> the building was still standing. <laughs> you know, um, I remember the day after the storm when we went out and they had, you know, a barricade and folks there and they were like, we're not letting people pass this point, it was just past Shoreview Drive, or just before Shoreview Drive. Yeah, Shoreview
3: had washed The Shoreview yeah. had oh, okay. washed
2: away part mm-hmm. of it. And, um, you know, Brian convinced them to let us through just to look at what was going on. And, um, you know, we were thankful that uh, we had a, the small retail shop only maybe for whatever reason but a foot or a foot and a half of water. So... Most of our retail um, product was saved. Oh. Um, but then outside, we had like <laughs> about 60 kayaks, um, you know, paddle boards and gear in one of our trailers, which rolled several times and half the, the equipment was um, saved in there. And then our other big trailer, which ended up wrapped around a sign. But then the kayaks, it's like, where did they go? <laughs> they were not there. I mean, there were maybe like four left. Um, they had blown across the street, across the pass, across the other lot, into the mangroves. I mean, it took us
3: under buildings. You know, they were under yeah, buildings, yeah.
2: Um Did people help you find them? Um, I mean, we had, we brought in staff um, to help us retrieve them. A lot of it was just Brian and I just because I didn't really want to put any of my staff in a position where they could get hurt or right. they could see something that They would never unsee again because that was the scary part going into those mangroves and hoping and praying that we didn't run into any anything terrible. Um, Yeah, but, you know, we were able to pull a lot of those out. And then later on, Brian went on the water with his boat and we retrieved um, a few of them. There were some really nice people that would just brought the kayaks to the shore and you know, they were like, "Oh, we found your kayaks," and
3: Aww. yeah, so they tell very... them what their boat or put them in yeah. their boat and just mm-hmm. drop them off at the yeah. shoreline. And so if we was... knew them, they'd send a text like, "Hey, we dropped off to your kayaks." Yeah, and yeah.
2: so that was so... very nice. Um, you know, I think we ultimately we found all but like seven. Wow. Yeah, so we, we got, got a lot. lot. Yeah, and we yeah. were able to um repair one of our trailers. So that's the one we're using now to um move all of our kayaks back and forth, um, where we launched from the park. And, um, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously this year there were a lot of things that we couldn't do because of, um, you know, Ian, like we no camp, unfortunately. And so a lot of camp families were very disappointed since we didn't have a safe location for the kids. Um, we had to suspend that, and um, but tours and rentals, uh, no retail, obviously, because no, um, no, no, store <laughs> store <front. laughs> yeah. no storefront. Um, but you know, we've managed to make it uh, this far. Uh, and then Brian and Jim went out, um, and they obviously before we could get people on the water in November, we made sure that the trails were safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we watched how hard. Um, you know, those contractors worked to get big debris out of the water. And we were very thankful for that. Um, and we just made sure that all the small trails that we were taking people in, you know, they went in and they...
3: That was quite a project. <laughs> those, You know, those mangrove yeah. trails were, were beaten up pretty good. But it tells us that the mangroves did their job. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the areas where there was dense mangroves, um, those areas probably did not get as much surge as other areas that did not have, you know, mangroves protecting those shorelines. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so it so it took us probably a good a good month to get through those trails with handsaws and and oh just goodness. just clearing them so they were safe for passage. Um, and then, yeah, so, so about two and a half, three months, we were just no business at all. And then, you know, then we, yeah, you know, you know kind of got closer to season. and and uh, you know we did what we could. and the, you know the demand was still there. and and we had a lot of folks see us the first few months of the year um so yeah we're uh, just continuing to push forward and uh hoping good things will happen
1: so talking about getting people out on the water particularly first timers um any good stories about uh people's you know it's probably not a natural skill that people have uh if I remember like there's certain arm motions and how you handle and particularly getting in and out because one could get wet quite easily so any good good stories or experiences from trying to get these people that are interested, but have literally no experience.
3: So at our location in Matt Lachey, um, yes, we had essentially a protocol, um, to assist people in the water and assist people off the water, um, which did include, you know, of course, getting your feet wet and getting your legs wet a little bit. And sometimes surprising to us, um, people were very reluctant to want to get their feet wet or their legs wet, um, even though they were coming to go kayaking. <laughs> so sometimes we had to make exceptions for them. But, yeah, we did have protocols. Um, it is challenging, you know, at at the beach launch there in Matlaché. I mean, you are essentially, if you think about it, you're, you know, sitting on your floor and then standing up with the floor moving a little bit. Yeah, so right. um, can be quite challenging. And that was one thing our staff was fantastic about was that, um, they always would greet the customer at the shoreline, okay. push the kayak back about a foot to where there were maybe an ankle-to-knee-deep water, swing both legs over, uh, let their weight come forward once their feet hit the ground, then to stand up, as opposed to having us pull the kayaks up onto the beach mm-hmm. um, and have them get up from such a low position. So we certainly had uh, procedures and protocols for that. Um, can't say that no one ever... Did not fall out of the kayak when getting up. Um, and, you know, on warm days, that wasn't a big deal. But sometimes, you know, they went two and a half hours on a tour and a maybe a chilly morning in, in in January. and they 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 went two and a half hours without getting wet, and they came back to shore and you know, maybe didn't wait for one of our staff members to help them, thought they could do it, and boom, they're in the water. Um,
2: I think I can remember one story um, in particular. Where this lady rented a kayak from us because, you know, uh, whenever we rent kayaks, we also give people a map and we encourage them to bring a phone for an emergency and, you know, plenty of water. Um, And I remember she called 911 before she called us and I get a call from 911. Oh, this reminds me of another story that Brian will tell you about uh, another rental. Um, And the 911 operator said, "You you have a kayaker in distress. And I'm like, Oh really? They haven't even called us. Okay. Uh, what's going on? Well, um, she appears to have like turned her kayak over and, you know, in the mangroves. And then I get a call like right away from her and she's like, I saw something in the trees and I couldn't, you know, she had seen a mangrove crab and it scared her and she flipped her kayak over and she was hysterical. And, um, you know, we were trying to explain to her that all she had to do was stand up because uh, it was pretty shallow, um, you know, and we we offered to have somebody come out there um, to assist her, to get her back in. Um, but I just thought that was, uh, you know, she was so scared that she had turned her kayak over um, because she had seen a mangrove crab. Uh, so, and she called 911. Before she called us, I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, you know, and I understand some people are just deathly afraid of water mm-hmm. and they're already pushing themselves to a certain limit. Um, and a lot of times when whenever we saw those potential things happen, I would always say, you know, you're you're maybe better off going with a guide, somebody who can take you out there and you'll feel more at ease. <laughs> Needless to say, I think she should have definitely been with. You know, I think it was just her and her daughter. So she was she got pretty, pretty afraid out there. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah. another one was when... well those
3: mangrove crabs, yeah, they can can yeah. scare people <laughs> if people don't know what they are. So um so been guiding kayak tours for eleven years and I can, you know, probably taken thousands of guests out. And I can say I could probably count on one hand how many times people have capsized on on my tours that I've led. But going back to the mangrove crabs, this happened twice in maybe a month, maybe two weeks. But this was when we were getting started. And um, I did not let people know about the mangrove crabs before we went on the trip. And it happened. It was both times young children, young teenagers. And um, we're back in the mangrove trails. They're in a tandem kayak with their parent. And maybe I'm telling a story or talking about the mangroves. And they drift into the tree, and it happened almost identically both times. And the kid looked up, and there was a mangrove tree crab right above its head. And both times there were boys, and the boys jumped out of the kayak, um, deathly afraid. For whatever reason, I thought that they thought that was the best choice. Uh, (laughs) One boy, I do recall, we got him right back in the kayak quickly. The second time it happened, the, the boy was almost in shock. It it took between me and and the parents to convince the child to get back in the cock took about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, So since then, I let my people know before we even get on the water, (laughs) this is what you may see. They're completely harmless. You could put them in your hand. They'll crawl, crawl around. They do have little pinchers, but they really are harmless. However, if you didn't know that they were crabs, you may think they're big black spiders, and that's what happens. People Oh, People smart. react as if they're seeing a tarantula in the mangroves and they, <laughs> okay. they yeah. freak out. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, um,
2: what about the helicopter rescue?
3: Yeah. We'll tell <laughs> maybe one story that, uh, this was a wild one. So again, it seems like a lot of these things happened early on. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when we didn't have as much experience as we do now, but we, we, we had a protocol to where, and this was, I believe, in the winter time when sunset was maybe around six p.m. And so around that time of the year, we have a cutoff time where we don't put people on the water past two p.m. Okay. You know, um, just in case they do get lost, we have enough times, enough daylight to to go find them. Um, this was a family. It was a mother, daughter, grandmother, and then the mother's boyfriend. They came to the shop around three thirty in the afternoon. And um, I was shutting down, cleaning up, getting ready to go home. And they explained to me that it was their last day in town. And, and they really wanted to go kayaking the whole time they were here, but they just never got to it. Is there any chance I can just put them on the water, just let them paddle around a little bit? And I must have said no three or four times. said, I'm sorry, we have a protocol. It's really for your best interest. It's for safety reasons. And long story short, they did convince me to let them on the water, and I'll try to picture this as best or visualize this as best as possible, but as you look at our launch in Matlache, a couple hundred yards to the right is a, is a, a decent-sized mangrove island, but you can get around it in 30 minutes if you follow the contour of the island around. So my deal with them was, okay, I'll put you all on the water, but you're only allowed to go to that island, circumnavigate that island, and come back. That should take you about 45 minutes to do that that was a deal. Okay. And, um, so about an hour into this, about an hour after getting them on the water, I go out back, I look for them. I don't see them anywhere. So I get a little nervous. Um, you know, maybe it's getting close to 5 PM then. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, we require people to bring phones on the water and we, we require them to put their phone number on the release form. So I go in and I call the phone number that they left and I hear a phone ringing in the bathroom. So I go in the bathroom, and there's a phone like under the toilet that must oh, have fallen no. out of their pocket. Oh, no. So now I get a little yeah. more nervous because now I don't have a way to communicate with them. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, they're just going around that island. They'll be back any moment. So around 5:15, 15, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, I jump in a kayak, and I just go out there, and I circumnavigate the island really quick, don't see them anywhere. Now I start to get a little nervous. And uh, so I think I ventured up one trail didn't see him anywhere. So I raced back to shore. Now we have about maybe 30 minutes a day late left and, uh, called Diana. She's like, uh, you know, I think Diana called Marine patrol, um, Marine patrol did not have a boat available to assist us. So they sent a couple of police officers to the, to our shop in Matlachar. And the police officers said, well, there's not much we can do. You know, we don't have a boat available. Um, do you know which, where they could be, and I had a very good idea where they probably are, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Sure. Um, so, long story short, they called in a helicopter, and the helicopter flew over the mangrove forest, um, located this group of folks. I don't know how they got so deep in that forest in the time frame that they had, mm-hmm. but they clearly did not listen to my instructions. I mean, they <laughs> they were as deep into that forest, deeper than I've ever been into this mangrove forest, than they. And they went to a dead end and um just sitting there and
0: uh, totally lost,
3: totally lost, no communication, no phone. And so the helicopter was nice enough. They landed in the field. Uh, they got me in the helicopter, flew me over. <laughs> so wow. I, they could show me exactly where they were in the forest. Um, and sometimes looking at a mangrove forest, it's really hard to distinguish where is, you know, which way is up and which way is mm-hmm. down. So I had to take some mental notes. And long story short, um, pretty much in the dark, had to paddle out there, get into the mangrove trails. I brought whistles and things like that. So I was blowing the whistles and they have whistles on their life vest. So that's one way we can communicate. And I left breadcrumbs. I brought little strings that I tied. Every time I made a turn, I tied a string to the tree to know which way to leave. And finally found them way, way, way deep in the mangroves. And it took us about, it was a good hour and a half paddle back. and the funny thing was they were not freaked out. They were not...
2: They were planning to... A, I to. think it was a
3: self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy because for about 30 minutes, all they talked about on their way home was all these survivor shows that they watch and, and how they felt like they were in that situation. They, were, they had already rationed their water and their snacks that they had. Mm-hmm. And uh, So we get back to shore. This is, I'll finish it with this. We get back to shore, <laughs> and uh, the police officers are getting their information... And uh, I just happened to ask one of the police officers, I said, so, you know, I know this is expensive to get a helicopter out here. Like, who floats the bill for that? And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, expect the bill next week. And I said, oh, man, you know, I didn't. And then, like, 10 seconds later, he let me stew in it for a moment and he started laughing. And he said, no. He's like, to be honest, if anyone's going to float the bill for it, that's why we're getting their information. They will be the ones floating the bill for it. But 99% of the time it's taxpayer money that essentially pays for services like yeah. this. So
0: sense of humor with him.
2: Huh? Yeah. Oh man.
3: <laughs> yeah, oh, I think man. he
2: he also made it a point to tell them like, you need to bring a phone for an emergency. Cause I also I remember when um they were going out and the, only the granddaughter was like, we should bring a phone and they were like, No, no, we're fine. And then the grandma was like, I know the area like the back of my hand.
0: <laughs> and so and then, Ooh. yeah, and you kept saying no.
3: So it just reiterated that yeah. we have these protocols in place for a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. The customer may not be happy at the moment, but it is for their best interest. So it uh, it reiterates, it's to this day still reiterates why we have certain protocols and why we have to stick to Top them. Lesson. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah that, was a, that was a nervous one.
0: He did love getting on the helicopter,
2: though. Oh. Did you? Very cool. He said that was very, very cool. Cool. cool.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes, oh, first that was time. Cool.
0: And the way you came back, tying strings onto
1: branches in
0: the dark, that's exciting.
1: Yeah, I
3: didn't want to get lost back there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you've got the kayak rentals and the tours. Uh, You Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about camp. Other programs or initiatives that you have that um, add into the basic core of the business? Um,
2: Well, we had... Retail, we're hoping to, you know, once we find a location to get back to doing retail.
3: So we sold kayaks um, and paddleboards and gear oh, and, mm-hmm. and things like that yeah. in a very small shop. Um But yeah. we made use of every inch of that shop. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um we were starting to started to think last year, like I think it was um, January, February, March, like maybe start doing some bike rentals because I know that it's been a big thing about you know, how they were going to do some bike trails through Matt Lachey. Um, so we thought, oh, that, that's a natural progression for us to be able to offer those. Um, and so we have some, we do some mostly e-bikes, mm-hmm. um, e-bike rentals. Um, and we also do multi-day rentals for both the bikes and kayaks. Um, guided kayak fishing trips yeah
3: that's a big part of our business Mm -hmm. that that probably five or six years ago really started to take off was kayak fishing oh okay Mm -hmm. and um yeah so we you know we rent fishing kayaks um to folks and then we also do five-hour kayak fishing trips where we take them out and yeah sometimes we're here at tropical Point. um we love to take them out here to pine island so Mm -hmm. i would say tropical point and then the Pine Land Monument Launch right next to Pineland Marina mm-hmm. are two of our favorite spots to to take folks to go fishing. Mm-hmm. Um and that's been, yeah, that 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 part of the business has really uh really grown fast. And we've been very fortunate. I think, you know, anytime you have a business, like you're only as strong as 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 the people you're working with. And so we've been very fortunate to uh to have some amazing local uh, folks that have grown up here, local kayak fishing guides that have not only taught the the our customers and our guests how to how to kayak fish around here, but I mean I've learned from some of the best anglers in this area, and uh, so I'm I'm extremely grateful for those. You're folks. surrounded by great anglers. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you you actually are the fishing guide too. So I, I do out. some
3: trips. Yeah, um, I do a little bit of everything. So yeah. I lead eco tours and do kayak fishing trips and um,
2: lessons too. Because Brian is also um, he's an ACA certified. Mm -hmm. level two CAC instructor. So he, a lot of those lessons, though, we do give them over to Jim just because he loves it so much. (laughs) And we're, right now we're so busy. Yeah. He loves it. So yeah. What he does. Yeah, we're very lucky. Jim Niehaus has been with us uh, pretty much since like maybe a year after we bought the business. So maybe 2013. Um, So he's, you know, he was a camp instructor. He's done, you know, He's also, he's an ACA level, uh, two kayak and paddleboard instructor. So we're really lucky that, um, he can do both, uh, um, guiding. He, he does guiding. And then, um, so between him and Brian right now, it's unfortunately just him and Brian. We do have actually another guide, Lynette. She's very, very nice. Uh, we've known her for several years. So she, she does some part-time guiding for us and then, um,
3: so Lynette's been kayaking these waters longer yes. than maybe as long us. as I've been yes. alive. Um, <laughs> Lynette is a retired nurse, and uh, she she's kayaked just about every inch of this water yeah. around Matlacha and Pine Island for the last, I'd say, thirty years.
2: Yeah, um, and she started. Um, she also started doing the uh, Florida circumnavigational trail with her grandkids. Um, I think it was in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they have. Some some ways to go, but I think
0: their goal is to finish. So, no, we have to talk about the fishing tournament. Yes. <laughs> I know that's near and dear to you, especially with the charity where all the proceeds go.
2: Yeah. Um, the uh, Lee County uh, Parks and Rec, or, you know, the Clusa Blue Way uh, paddling trail approached us in 2014, 2015. Uh, to see if we wanted to take it over because they were going to do away with it. They've been, you know, this year will be the 20th uh, year that it's been um, that they've been doing it. So they approached us to see if we wanted to take it over. And um, we said, sure, we'd love to do it. Maybe we can even raise some money for charity. And um, pretty much since then we've been working with a really nice organization. Um, It's a grassroots out of, um, you know, Fort Myers, the Candlelighters of Southwest Florida. And um, they, you know, they support families with um, kids with cancer and blood disorders. Uh, So.
3: And I've worked with quite a few families out here on Pine Island.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, You know, we... Last year, unfortunately, we had to cancel it uh, due to Ian. um, But, you know, pretty much every year we've been... Growing it a little bit more, like in 2021, we had almost 80, 80-something anglers. I mean, 80 and 90 anglers, yeah. yeah.
3: And when we started it you know, anglers. in 2014, 15, I think we maybe had 25. So that kind of gives you an idea of how this area is growing and, and that, that sport in general is growing.
2: Yeah, and then we do raffles, we do uh, 50-50s, um, you know, we do an. We've been doing an online raffle for the last two or three years through Rally Up, um, and a silent auction there as well. Right. So um, all the proceeds go to uh, Candlelighters of Southwest
0: Florida. Did you meet them by having kids, uh, families? Oh yes, take them kayaking, and you found out about mm-hmm. the organization. Yes. Yeah, so um,
2: there's a. They approached us to see if we could. Oh, um, well, it's
3: Christine who lives out here on mm-hmm. Pine Island.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh we have a, a really good friend, Christine, who her and her husband, um, they've made Pine Island their second home for years. And uh she worked closely with the organization. She approached us to see if we could donate um something towards candlelighters. And I remember Brian thinking, Well, what about an outing? Is that something that you would like to do? And they came out and uh we Brian, I think
3: it was Jim. Yeah, yeah, they came out just looking for a donation for one of their events, and uh, I believe we gave them the donation. But then, yeah, there was just something about learning it, something about that organization that struck struck us, and so we did more research, and uh, yeah, so we invited them, some of the families. They were able to to come out, and and me and Jim would take them on a guided guided kayak tour. So, that was our first introduction uh, to the candlelighters of Southwest Florida. And really just kind of fell in love with what they're doing. And then yeah, I think uh that same year was when we were approached to take over the tournament. And then we started talking about well, how can we mm-hmm. how can we add charity to this event? And uh yeah, so it was just a really good timing to to meet and learn about the candlelighters. And so ever since every year, that's where the proceeds go.
0: Well, it sounds like it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. at this day you approached you, you know, yeah. to take it over. Yeah. And you made it now, you 20, the 20th one yeah, yeah. that's oh, uh, saturday november 11th right it, it is um most you know
2: since we took it over in 2015 um lisa um dense who owned the old fish house was uh, generous enough to lend us her location uh to do we would do a captain's meeting there and uh, the way in the next day um, sometimes it would carry through to Sunday where we would continue the island auctions. So unfortunately this year, uh, we're going to have to do it off the Island, um, cause we need the space. So it's at a local brewery in Cape Coral, Scotty's Beer Works. So that's where we'll be doing the, uh, captain's meeting on Friday, the 10th, um, and then, uh, saturday the 11th we'll be doing the weigh-in ceremony
3: there yeah and folks can learn more about it by going to the facebook page so if you just Mm -hmm. went to facebook and looked up Clusa blue way kayak fishing tournament yeah um, you can learn all about it there And we are still shameless plug of course we are still looking for corporate sponsors or small businesses to uh you know to sponsor um the event and um, we are of course still looking for more kayak Mm -hmm. anglers that want to to get involved and it is a very beginner friendly it's just a lot of fun you know um, even with just your registration, you have a chance to win um, a really nice kayak from Van Hunks Kayaks um, paddle paddleboards from Body Glove. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool um, items from local bait and tackle shops and things like that. So yeah, yeah and it's just a good it's just a good time. You
0: well, know? we heard, thanks to Ian. Um, the fishing is phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're going to have a ton of people.
2: Yeah, I hope so. That's one of the biggest questions. Actually, Brian just wrote an article for Coastal Angler Magazine. Mm -hmm. Um, they're one of our sponsors this year. And, um, I think the issue, it'll be in the October issue, um, about one of the biggest questions is from anglers, like how, or folks coming back down to the area to fish, um, this uh, winter and spring, like, how's the fishing, you know, and the landscape has changed for sure. Yeah, um, considering <laughs>
3: the incredible heat we had this summer, fishing remained pretty darn good.
2: So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you know, some of, there's deep pockets in, space, in places where there weren't before, but, um, you know, uh, oyster bars, that kind of shifted. Uh, but overall, it's been pretty good fishing, like uh, the, Last few times he's been out there, you know, catching uh, juvenile tarpon. Uh, You know, he'll tell me when he comes home, like, oh, I'm like, what did you see? Tons of trout, you know, big redfish out
3: there. Yeah, yeah, fishing. And then coming into the fall, that's, in my opinion, probably the best time to be out there fishing. mm -hmm. Um, Big schools of redfish start coming back into the flats and big snook start coming back in for spawn. Wow. um, yeah. So it's got to love living in this area, especially if you're a fisherman or an angler. It's just, it's an angler's paradise here on Pine Island. It really is. And should the
0: sponsors contact you directly? Yeah, you they can contact
3: your, us at, at Gulf yeah. Coast Kayak. Uh, just give us a call direct and uh, we can we can kind of guide them as to what might be the best fit for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect.
1: So then staying with contacting if people are interested in the rentals or the tours et cetera, how best do they get a hold of you or are there multiple ways how do you guys like to be uh, contacted
3: i mean they can certainly learn more about um what we what we have to offer at our website at com, or they can certainly just give, give us a call directly uh on our on our office line at 239-283-1125 um and then diana Diane is the nice voice on the other end of the phone. They can they can guide <laughs> yes, them and, and 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 create <laughs> their reservation you. for them. Well,
0: I think this has been wonderful. I know we could have talked about a lot more things. Think about it later, but it's it's been fabulous. You you two are so courageous. Starting over, I didn't know that about the the place. Being, you know, going to construction. But you said that's how you started before, and you're both so positive, and you, you know this is what you want to do, and it's it's going to be better. You can tell. Thank you.
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: And, you know, we got to just keep everything in, in, in perspective. Um, you know, there's Definitely. a lot of folks, especially out on this island, that, that, that you know, unfortunately had it a lot worse than us. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. our hearts go out to them, folks here on Pine Island and Fort Myers Beach and Sanibel and...
2: Matt Lachey. 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 I
3: mean, so... We still have a roof over our heads, so we're, we're happy.
0: Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for being here. Thank wonderful. you. It's really a pleasure. Yeah, we really pleasure. Thank you, enjoyed you so it. Much. Thank you.
1: We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. And remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.